You can never reach these hoes. In the booth, then we spin the truth. We inspire the youth, then we get to the loop. You do what it does, and we do what it do. We turn to the max, and they got you on mute. You. Ooh, flow so high, so you know Aye. I had to run it back. Blazes the ball, then we run it like a running back. Gabe brought shock, so you know Aye. we have fun with that. Turn you in the opps, so you know Aye. ain't no coming back. Now we done with that. Welcome in to another edition of Heat Check. This time we are talking about the Big East, the old Big East, and I guess the new Big East as well as UConn joins the conference again this year with columnist from the undefeated William C. Roden. He's Peyton and I's Cronkite professor as well, and he used to write for the New York Times, covered the Big East a lot back in the 90s. So um, first question I have, we, we all watched the – ESPN 30 for 30 Requiem for the Big East this week. Um, it is certainly an interesting documentary in terms of looking back at how quickly the league rose to prominence and national prominence in terms of the success that Georgetown had. How much, what is the biggest takeaway you had in terms of covering the league, dealing with all those coaches and just seeing it rise so quickly? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. It was a golden era of, uh, well, it was another golden era of, of, of basketball, but particularly it really energized uh, New York City, the whole Eastern Corridor, Boston, New York City, uh, Philadelphia. You know, it was it was a perfect storm. You know, you had Georgetown in D.C. Uh, you had Villanova. Uh, you had uh, Boston College. You had Providence. St. John's was just amazing. And you had all these tremendous coaches, you know, Lou Carnesecca, Jim Beheim, Roy Massimino, uh, uh, Boston College, you had, I forget his name, but uh, he would later uh, go to a coach in Maryland, uh, Gary, um, I guess Gary's name. But it was just, and it was just a great league. I mean, I, I just got to the Times, I think, in 1982, and, you know, the Garden was just, it was rolling. They always had the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden, and it was just electric. And I think at the time, the Knicks were kind of getting good, but it was really just such a, it was so much fun to cover. You had these just heated, heated rivalries. John Thompson versus Bayheim versus Massimino. You had players like Chris Mullen and Walter Berry and Ed Pinkney. It was just, 
a Patrick Ewing down at Georgetown. Georgetown was like the the bad boys of of uh, of college basketball, just ferocious, intimidating. Um, it was just really a great time to be covering uh, college basketball. It was, it was just so much fun. And in the documentary, you kind of learn about these. Obviously, everybody knows about players like Patrick Ewing, but you and Chris Mullen. But you start to learn about these guys like Pearl Washington and Ed Pinkney that were really cornerstones in building the league. Was there a guy in the league at any point in time that people should know about now that we don't really hear about? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, Pro Washington, everybody knew. I mean, Mark Jackson was in that league at the time. Um, uh, try to think of some unsung players. I mean, the great thing about playing in the Big East is that everybody was a star. I mean, St. John's has so many great. Willie Glass uh, was sort of like unsung, you know. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think Providence. I mean, every every team had great players, you know. Uh, Villanova and Harold Jensen, uh, Ed Pinckney. There was another uh, guy, Presley, Harold Presley. You know, every single team had players. I mean, Georgetown had a great team. Uh, then Reggie Williams, McDonald's All-America, David Wingate, you know, uh, great players. Um, so I don't know if there's any anybody who was – I'm sure there are probably some players who you, you didn't know, but, I mean, everybody was just – every team – was just loaded and, and just had uh, uh, just great players. In terms of unsung, I don't know if there's anybody on, in my estimation, nobody really unsung. I mean, St. John's always, his thing was always getting players from the New York City area and keeping them home. That was their big selling point. Uh, in addition to giving players money they should have, instead of having on a dorm, they get they got to keep the money they would have on doing. That was another big selling point. But um, now I wouldn't say, at least in my estimation, nobody unsung. But it was just just a golden age, uh, a golden age of basketball in this area in in Northeast. I mean, it was envy. It was envy of uh, of of um, and a lot of big schools were pissed because here you had these small Catholic schools that did not have football. None of them had football to speak of. And they were dominating college basketball, you know. And a lot of schools like Oklahoma, who were spending millions of dollars on football, and all these other places say, man, you know, all you guys are doing is basically just playing basketball. And uh, it was a great model. In fact, I think that's – I always thought, and if I talked to Val Ackerman, the commissioner of the Big East, they should really have a national Big East Conference. In fact, Mark Few and Gonzaga liked the idea, too, of having a national Big East Conference. You know, out west you'd have Gonzaga, St. Mary's, uh, a couple other schools, like the Loyola Marymount in the west. Midwest, you'd have Marquette, DePaul, a couple others. East, you know, you have obviously the likely characters. Um, you could really have like a national Big East of Catholic schools, small schools, that basically just play basketball. That was what was exciting about Connecticut coming back because they kind of lost their way and everybody in a while got bitten by the football bug. Oh, we got to go get football. And that's when they went to Miami and all that. And that really didn't work and it screwed up the character of the league. Now it's getting a little closer 
to what it was. Remember, you had Villanova win two national titles in, I guess, the last four years. So, um, yeah, uh, it was just, um, again, I don't know about the unsung players, but it was just, it was definitely not an unsung league. Hmm. So, with Syracuse and Georgetown, with like the birth of the Big East, the John Thompson infamous quote at the last game at Manley Fieldhouse when Georgetown went in and won, saying Manley Fieldhouse now closed for business. That really sparked the entire iconic Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry. Now with Syracuse and the ACC, we don't get to see that rivalry as much. Where would you compare Syracuse and Georgetown's rivalry with the entire history of the rivalries in college basketball? Uh, Well, in its time, it was great. I mean, it wasn't anywhere near Duke, North Carolina, um, you know, Kansas, and uh, well, I don't know who Kansas' rivalry was. In, in his in his day, that was a it was a ferocious rivalry, but you but it was not only Syracuse and Georgetown. It was Georgetown and St. John's. Uh, it was Villanova and Georgetown. I mean, uh, St. John's and Villanova. I mean, it, it was it was and then Boston College uh, with Gary Williams is his name. You know, uh, it was always like the spoiler. So the Georgetown rivalry, Georgetown Syracuse rivalry, was very intense. It was a great rivalry in, in, in his time, probably from 1982 to, I don't know, like 10 years. But there were so many other, many rivalries within that conference. Um, it was as great. But again, it wasn't like necessarily North Carolina Duke. But as I think about it, there aren't that many, you know, uh, great college basketball rivalries when you really look at them outside of North Carolina Duke. Um, like I said, Syracuse and Georgetown was really, it was right up there. I mean, it was really right up there in terms of just the passion and the dislike. <laughs> you know, St. John's, St. John's Syracuse was a big rivalry. Downstate, upstate, you know. Um, you know, with Bayheim, he was a rivalry with everybody. You know, he was against the world. I found it really interesting, at least in watching the documentary, in terms of how I mean, it seems like they, at least the way that they portrayed it, that ESPN had a large reason to do with the growth of the Big East, and the Big East had a lot to do with the growth of ESPN. So the kind of the irony in terms of now the Big East being broadcast on Fox Sports 1, how much did you think and how much did the new cable deal back then kind of change the way that the league was seen and at least get eyeballs on it from people across the country. Well, it was perfect because I think when Dick, uh, Dave, uh, Dave Gavitt, the, the commissioner of the big, uh, when he put it together, it was a perfect storm of ESPN really beginning to grow. And then you had these schools in these major markets. Remember, you had Washington, D.C., New York City, Connecticut, Philadelphia, you know, and then. Uh, so they corral all this talent, keeping this talent on the East Coast, and yet uh, ESPN, at the same time, paying them a really great amount of, of money to telecast their games. And you just had these great players, Patrick Ewing, uh, Chris Mullen, uh, Pearl Washington. I mean, Bayheim said that uh, Pearl Washington was the most important player in Syracuse history because how he, he was he – was, such a great high school player, 
you know, he came out with Mark Jackson, Kenny Smith, who went to North Carolina, uh, Kenny Hutchinson, uh, and these great guards coming out of New York City. And Pearl went to Syracuse and instantly made that program. And ESPN was there to televise all this drama. I mean, it was just a perfect, uh, a perfect storm. And um, uh, I, but I think the big thing, TV was big, but the fact that they were all these major TV markets, Boston, I forgot, Boston, New York, D.C., Philly, that was as much, uh, that was as important as the fact that ESPN was becoming this monster. You mentioned the term perfect storm a couple times in the last couple of answers. Was there a moment in particular to you where you kind of realized, okay, it's not just a bunch of Catholic basketball schools playing basketball, like something important is starting to happen? Well, yeah, when, when Georgetown and St. John's were 1-2 in the country, you know, I mean, anything that happens in New York exaggerates everything. You know, I mean, when basketball is great in New York, whether it's the Knicks or St. John's, it makes everything better. You know, as good as the NBA is now, if the Knicks were ever to catch fire, it would just make the NBA five times better. And when St. John's was really good, and they were number one in the country, too, it just made everything. And there was a one, and then Georgetown St. John's just had this knockdown, drag out rivalry. I mean, it was just intense. And Georgetown had Ewing, and they were always wearing the black uniforms and the bad guys and all that. And Louie had his good luck sweater that he, that he always had and showed it. And I remember there was one particular game uh, in Madison Square Garden. It was a showdown between number one and number two. And the atmosphere in the garden was just electric. And there was all this tension. There's an underline of racism because Georgetown is all black team, you know, with John Thompson. And he was talking about Proposition 48 uh, and how it was taking, I mean, it was he, Nolan Richardson, John Cheney were making a big deal out of these propositions that they felt were taking um, opportunities. So there was a whole lot of stuff going on. So they had this showdown at the garden. It was in the, in the winter. I remember I was there at, 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 in the evening, and it was just the everybody's waiting for just all hell to break out loose. And so John Thompson came out, and it was just the – and before anybody – he opened his sport coat, and he had a copy of Louis Conaseca's Good Luck Sweater. And it was so disarming, people didn't know how to react. And eventually people kind of laughed, but it, it really broke up the tension that was really, really building. But that was just such a great electric night. I forgot who even won. Georgetown may have won. But it was, but it, it was so much thing as number And it's so rare that in one conference, and, and, and a medium, Duke, North Carolina, yeah, but it's still in Greensboro and Durham. You know, but to have one and two from Washington, D.C. and New York City to play at Mass Square Garden was just phenomenal. And I think that game, but I mean, I think that, that time, those four years uh, when Patrick Ewing was at Georgetown uh, and Chris Mullen was at St. John's and Pinckney, I mean, and then it culminated, actually, that, that, actually to answer your question, it culminated in 85 
when you had St. John's, Georgetown, Villanova reach the Final Four. I mean, I think that was actually the pinnacle when you had those three in the Final Four. That was the that was a crowning glory of the Big East. So in the doc, it talked about once the Big East kind of exited its prime when um, the football really started getting involved, and that, that they made it seem like that was a really big downfall of the Big East. Do you think they could have handled the the inclusion of football differently instead of going all the way down to Miami to go get, you know, the University of Miami to come play football because that's what seemed to really kind of like stir things up is when they started going out of the original, you know, Northeast market with these Catholic basketball schools, that's when things really started getting feeling out of sorts. Do you think well, could, the Big East could have handled it differently? Well, in retrospect, I mean, yeah, but everybody was doing that. All conferences were now expanding, you know, and football was going to be the protector because football was the engine. So everybody needed to get a football power, even if they're going down to Miami get in Miami. And it, it sort of continued to happen uh, with, you know, Syracuse and Pittsburgh eventually joining the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. I mean, it was part of this of expansionism, but football was a thing. I don't know if, I think some people, Trey easy in retrospect, yeah, it was probably a mistake, but I think at that time, they realized, they thought that they were going to be left out of the cold. That they don't, they didn't figure that these Catholic schools without football, they felt they just without that football money coming in, they just didn't think that they could really survive. Um, and uh, and I mean, it, it was at some point it got you know they like expanded like to Marquette to Wisconsin, you know. So could they have handled it differently? I just think it was a mistake that they had to make. You know, they did what they thought was best. But now it's kind of coming back to who they are. The Big East is now, they're doing basketball. And that's what they do. So I think had they not done that, they probably, you know, who knows, they may not have been here. So it was just a mistake. And they weren't the only ones. I mean, everybody, you know, the, the Big Ten expanded. You know, uh, you even had like... Uh, but Maryland joined the Big Ten. I mean, you had all these weird geographic configurations and a money grab, you know. So, no, I don't know if they could – I mean, they probably could have done it better, but they probably had to do it that way. Um, in terms of – I think this will be my last question. What is your lasting memory from the Big East, the thing that you'll take with you forever? Just the relationship with John Thompson – uh, you know, at that time, uh, he made it possible for a lot of black reporters to actually get beats because they were just so people just so afraid of him and Georgetown. They would, they like Mike Wilbon. That's when Wilbon really, you know, you got to sign to cover Georgetown. I covered St. John's. Uh, you know, a lot of black reporters got the opportunity uh, because of you know, a guy like John Thompson and the relationship we established with him. You know, we had plenty of off-the-record meetings, you know, when we talk about issues about black coaches and uh, black ADs and those types of things. So that's what I read. And then I had a good relationship with, with uh, Roly Massimino and, and uh, 
even Beheim. I mean, it, it was uh, they were just it was just a great time to cover college basketball, and I also covered the NCAA convention a lot, uh, and I, I wrote a lot about intercollegiate athletics. I covered you know I covered the education of the NCAA, so it was really um, for me the relationships meant a lot, but also all the educational issues that emerged just because of what basketball was in that time and who those coaches were at that time. It, it was, and it really formed, I know probably with Wilbon, with me, with the late Brian Burwell and a lot of people, it really formed uh, a lot of our careers. It really, it, it really gave us a, a resonance and, and a platform. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for answering some of our questions. We're grateful for your time. Yeah, I know you had two hours more, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're you're on, you're on the right track. Was, uh, it was it was great basketball. Yeah, never, never will be a period like it. Well, there's always another period, but <laughs> not 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 for me. Yeah. So thank, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay. You take care. Once again, thanks for William C. Roden, our professor, Peyton and I's, for joining us and talking, educating us a little bit on the Big East. Now we're going to get into the fun stuff, the contentious stuff. We're doing our Big East all-time starting five and Overfield. center. It's a draft. Okay, so Overfield. so starting lineup, we've, we've discussed this in our group chat, but it has to be posi- – we, we might have a few debates about positional availability. What I, I think the rule in general is you can't have, like, just four guards. You can't have just, like, four two guards. You can't have Marcus Howard as, like, your three-man, although I don't think anyone on this podcast is, is high enough on the Marcus Howard train to be down for that. Um, and what are the other rules? I, I mean, I've got listed here. I've, especially if we're going in historical context, context, it is important to have, like, actual big men, power forward center. because. I think those yeah. positions were relevant in college basketball all the way up until like three years ago. So, like, I mean, th- <laughs> it is important, especially throughout the context of history to have, like, even, even then you still see like actual true power forwards in today's college basketball. So yeah. I propose this, I propose this because in this draft, there's only three of us. How about a sixth man and a coach and a, not a, we already have a coach and a second coach. I mean, we can. Because I think that the coaching rank is really, really easy. There's a drop-off after the first four, that's for sure. Um, Yes. So, okay. Draft order goes Peyton, myself, Griffin. So, Peyton can lead off. And I think there's an easy pick. It's a pretty simple one. So, I have at least four guys on my big board at every position, aside from center, because I found out last night I was going to have the first pick. And that pick is going to be Patrick Ewing. I don't think I got to say anything else. Probably the most accomplished, other than Christian Leitner, college basketball player of all time. Three Ooh. times to the Final Four. Three times to the Final Four. Most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament. Three-time national player or three-time um, All-American. Multi-time conference player of the year in the Big East. Put the Big East on the map. The most important player in league history, probably. Um, and yeah, just an indomitable force on the basketball court. You know, he played without a three-point line, so he could literally just sit back at the rim and swat shots. He did that. I mean, like, 
there are maybe four or five players of the level of defensive impact all time that Patrick Ewing had on the game. And that's just the truth. And if Sleepy Floyd doesn't throw a pass to James Worthy and Michael Jordan doesn't transform from Mike Jordan into Michael Jordan with a shot against Ewing's Georgetown team in the national title, and they don't lose to the lowest-seeded national champion, I think up until UConn um, with Kemba. I think so. Kemba, we're looking at a guy who's a three-time champion. Um, it just didn't bounce the right way for him, but I think clearly the first pick in this draft is Patrick Ewing, and I'm taking him. He also gets the benefit of, in the research I did, really elevating John Thompson. Yeah. Because John Thompson doesn't make a Final Four without Patrick Ewing. He makes all three of his Final Fours as a coach with Patrick Ewing, never gets back after 85. Usually having good players helps. Yeah, but he he had good players in other years and never got back. But, I mean, you're looking at that team and you've got Sleepy Floyd, who's also an NBA player. Like, it wasn't just Ewing, but, man, we just don't see it anymore where one guy like that is able to just take a team and say, you're coming with me, we're going to the promised land. And John Thompson reaped the benefits from that. Obviously a great coach, not going to knock him for that. Clearly one of the best four coaches in this league's history. But, yeah, no, Patrick Ewing was just that good. In my notes I have listed – you know, like in draft day, um, how he has Fonte Mack, no matter what, written on a sticky note right at the beginning of the movie. Got Patrick Ewing, no matter what, it is Patrick bleeping Ewing. And that's the only research I did. I don't see any fault with that. So, number two, then. All right. Then. All right. Now, Gave the, us second pick, the second pick is a guy who is a three-time Big East player of the year, three-time first-team All-Big East, two-time All-American, and he was the Wooden Award winner in 1985. Kind of split the vote with Ewing. Chris Mullen, I'm going to put him at my small forward spot from St. John's. And obviously the differentiation between him and Ewing, one of them won a national title, the other one didn't. Ewing beat Mullen in the Final Four, so that goes against Mullen too. But really, he's the greatest player in St. John's history, and he is by far – Mark Jackson's probably probably second, right? No, Walter Berry. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Okay, okay, whatever. I Mullen's by far number two. I think he's I think there's a clear drop off after this pick. So I'm excited to see where Griffin goes. I don't know about clear drop off. I mean, yeah, maybe in terms of like now you got probably the two biggest, well, I would say two of the three biggest like players out of the big east at that time but the small the thing with this is the small forwards kind of get shaky at some point so i get back-to-back picks so i'm okay with this here i'm gonna go carmelo anthony with my first pick i mean ncaa champion as a freshman he led syracuse all the way to the national title i mean as a freshman i mean by far probably one of the most talented players that Bayheim's ever had. And he was most outstanding player in the NCAA tourney, you know, freshman or you know, big East rookie of the year. What more can you say about him? It's mellow. You know, it's the only, it's the only ring he's got from basketball outside of the Olympics. So this is something that, you know, really, you know, kind of got Carmelo on the map and, you know, he's turned into a hall of fame basketball player. So I think Carmelo is a small four. I think is a good start. At least yeah. for me. 
the most points ever. And this tells you a lot because a lot of great freshmen have passed the Big East over the years, right? Yeah. The most points ever scored by a freshman in a single season in Big East history. 22.2 points per game. It's just unbelievable that what he was able to come in and immediately do. It is – making a champion demonstrated this. It is so, so rare to win a national championship with a true freshman as your best player. But that's what Syracuse did. And considering how great of a coach Bayheim is and how many Final Fours he's been to, that Carmelo Anthony is the only player to hoist a national championship trophy for him says everything you need to know about Carmelo Anthony. Yep. Well, I think a pretty solid pick. All right. I do too, but you've got I, the luxury of getting the pick after it as well. I do. Yeah. And, you know, this team's going to be able to score the basketball. That's, let's just say that. Because my next pick is going to be Allen Iverson. I know oh, it. okay. AI. Were you playing him at the point or the shooting guard spot? I was going to let you guys figure it out because I can go either way here. I really don't care. No, you if, have to designate it. He can I play do. any position to me. You're the GM, Griff. All right, AI's running the one. Okay. You're going to leave it up to me. AI's running the one. He averaged 23 points per game in college. He's one of the you know, greatest scorers Georgetown's had. You know, I'm not going to say he's up there with Ewing as far as you know, accomplishments because he never even made it to a Final Four. But as far as just pure talent that Georgetown's had, AI, you, know, you can't. My goodness, this man. And you saw in the NBA as well, the dude's just a bucket. So I think you know, when you talk about the Big East, Especially when it got past its prime, AI was kind of like that next era within the, you know, he was just otherworldly as far as scoring the basketball. So I think, you know, having a little Carmelo AI, you know, as part of the offense is going to be pretty lethal. I don't know how people are going to stop that. I was doing some research before this, right? And I'm reading about Allen Iverson at Georgetown. First of all, you know, there's a whole thing with the bowling alley and there's another 30 for 30 about that. Um, about how he kind of got on campus a little bit late. Didn't realize he was there for two years. Um, I thought he was a one and done. That's not the case. He was there for two seasons. And in that time, he was able to amass over 3.3 steals per game. And I believe in two years was the – I think over a two-year span, he had the most steals by an NCAA player ever. Um, just an outrageously good defender. He was a all-league defender. I believe one defensive player of the year. Maybe Both times. Both times. Yeah. Big East. Yeah, and that's Big not East something East. we know Allen Iverson for now. So imagine if you married the best defensive player in the conference with clearly the best offensive player in the conference at the time, probably the best college basketball player on the planet. Um, yeah, Allen Iverson is a fantastic pick. All right. There it is. All right. <laughs> um, so this puts me in a pretty interesting spot. Don't take and the guy I want, please. What? Don't take the guy I want. I am going to take Ray Allen. I wanted to say curse words. I didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little surprised by that pick. So he's the 96 Big East player of the year. He doesn't win a national title, uh, even though like a guy like Richard Hamilton did at UConn. Um, he's a two-time All-American. In 1995, he was in college and won USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year which doesn't happen for a lot of college guys. So he was far and away a bucket. And he, he you also have, like, we remember him at, at our age as, like, the old guy who just shot threes with the Celtics in the heat. But when he was at UConn, he could dunk. Yeah. And he was very athletic to a point that most people our age don't remember. 
So I want Ray Allen, and he's going to be my two. So I have Ray Allen and Chris Mullen. Yeah, he was uh, – he got game era Ray Allen at this point. Um, the all-time leader in three-point percentage for the league in a lot of volume. And, um, yeah, just tore the league up uh, for several years. That's, that's a big thing, I think, with a lot of the guys in this league. Not a lot of one-and-dones. A lot of guys who stayed for multiple years and although becoming really good NBA players – down the line were guys who left their imprint on college basketball for multiple seasons. That's where it's going to be the biggest difference between the big East draft and the other conferences is like most of this league's best players in the NBA term still played like three, four years, right. even in the 2010 to 2020 range, there's not a lot of one and done still. Yeah. So, for my pick, I'm going to go with a guy that I mentioned earlier. One of It's ridiculous that this team, the St. John's team, that never got to the championship game. They got to a Final Four. They got bounced badly by Georgetown, um, but never got to a national championship game with really before the Duke Big Three that we saw last year, it was this group. Mullen, Mark Jackson, Walter Berry. Walter Berry, everybody remembers Mullen from that team, and I'm taking Berry with my pick. Let me clarify it, not Mark Jackson. Um, everybody remembers Mullen, but Walter Berry also won a national player of the year. How often do we get to say that, that a college basketball team had two guys that would win national player of the year? That's unbelievable. Berry was an instant bucket in his time at St. John's 20, 10, 1.3 blocks in his sophomore season. And he left after his sophomore year, 23, 11 and two blocks per game. Like I said, he was the big East player of the year. Wooden Award winner, Final Four team, obviously that lost his freshman year to Georgetown. But, yeah, just my front court is going to maul people. I thought about taking Alonzo Mourning just so we could have the shot-blocking duo of Ewing and Mourning, which would be terrifying. But ultimately decided to go for the offensive outlet and go for Walter Berry with this pick. So you're playing him at the four? I'm playing him at the four. Okay. Next pick is tough because I think that one of the point guards I want is going to get back to me. And although I want to take him here, I'm not going to because instead I'm going to go for a multi-positional player that could play shooting guard or small forward. And I think I have to decide right now, correct? Yep. Okay. So I'm going to say he's going to play shooting guard because the depth is a little bit better at the small forward position. I'm going to go ahead with the, the mask himself, Rip Hamilton. Now he wasn't wearing the mask at UConn. What he was doing was winning a national title. He's a two-time Big East player of the year tournament most outstanding player um and you look at his tournament resume he played in two NCAA tournaments right actually I think three um but in his time at UConn only scored less than 20 in an NCAA tournament game in a 10 game sample size once that is unreal so he was a, just a clutch performer a clutch shot maker I want Rip Hamilton on my basketball team he's gonna pair up with the two I already got and be my two guard I like that. I, I don't think he's better than Ray Allen, so. No, and that's why I was mad when you took Ray Allen. But, but he has a national championship, so he's got that winning pedigree. I'm upset Payne took Rip Hamilton. I was, that was my. That was my dude on 2K14, man. Absolutely loved him. Because I, I, I knew I had no chance at Ray Allen, but. If, All right. May fall so, this is where things get really interesting. Where does he go? Um, 
You know what? I'm going to do it. You're going to take Doug McDermott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad gummit. I had to take him. Oh. No. So, gosh dang it. You're kidding me. Oh, so, here's the thing. God. Doug McDermott is the sixth all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. And here's the thing. Three of his four seasons were played in the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah. One of them was in the Big East. The one year he was in the Big East was the first year Creighton was in the Big East, and he won Big East Player of the Year. Creighton was a three seed that year, and they worked teams all year long. So I'm, I'm operating under the assumption, knowing that Dougie McBuckets would have gotten buckets no matter how many years he played in the Big East. He is a three-time first-team All-American. Three-time. We don't have guys. What? Only one time in the Big East, though. I don't care. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's a lot of guys who played their whole career in the Big East and made one first-team All-American from their senior year of it. Okay. He's the 2014 National Player of the Year. He shot the crazy stat. He shot above 50% from the field all four seasons and above 40% from three in all four seasons. He was insane. He was insane. And Peyton is going to build a team that has incredible shot blocking and incredible interiors. I'm going to space people out, even though, even though we have to have a, a, a five. So I'm going to have a five man who's probably going to get worked by Ewing, but who cares? So you're playing McDermott at the four. Yeah. Because I remember specifically in our group chat, you said especially chunky McDermott days. Yeah, because he was chunky. Four. He was chunky in college. Oh, it's going to be rough for him on the block, though, on defense, man. It's going to be rough. Yeah. I mean, it might be, yeah. Walter Perry's going to be giving him some work. <laughs> I, I don't know how he's going to stand up with uh, Patrick Ewan putting his hip into his side every time down the floor defensively. Might get a little rough for him in his baggy undershirt. All right, so it's back to me. Oh, man. Well, ideally, I was going to take Rip Hamilton at this pick, but he's gone. Um, so I'm going to take a big here because I need one. I'm going to go Alonzo Morning. So I'm sticking, you know. It, he, at center? Yeah, it's, yeah center. Um, it, it's, I mean, is there much to be said? I mean, he's kind of the next best guy outside of Ewing at the center position here, as far as, you know, at least competing with Ewing. Um, it's tough not going Pinkney here because him and Ewing actually played head to head when Nova and Georgetown faced off in the national championship game. Obviously Pinkney came out on top, but as far as just physical presence, I think Alonzo Mourning had more of it. And I mean, we saw what Alonzo Mourning turned out to be in the NBA. He's a hall of fame guy, but as far as his time in the Big East, he was still a very accomplished basketball player, very talented guy. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get Alonzo Mourning at this pick. I, me and I pointed this out. Weird thing about Alonzo Mourning. So he played at Georgetown at the same time as Dikembe mm-hmm. Mutombo. Mm-hmm. He is a four-time All Big East player. He went second team as a freshman, first team as a sophomore, third team as a junior, and then first team as a senior. So he kind of hops back and forth depending on how Dikembe plays. So if I was going to knock your team, I would say he might be a little influenced by whoever else you pair him up with. So I'm interested to see who you put at the four because I could take some shine away from him. Could. I mean, Alonzo Morning at the end of the day, when he's going to be on the court for me, average five blocks a game. So 
Imagine having Dikembe Mutombo and Alonzo Mourning on your college basketball team at the same after time. Having, after having Patrick, you like, my gosh, Georgetown. Uh, well, now I got Mac McClung or had. Might be the best, <laughs> might be the best interior shot blocking duo since Doak and David McCormick. <laughs> since. I mean, okay. And then they got Greg Monroe, and then they didn't get anybody ever again. No, 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 no. Roy Hibbert. Good point. Fair point. I got him confused. I'm pretty sure Greg Monroe went to Utah, or you went to Georgetown. No, no, no. Mon- Monroe was Monroe was the first year after Hibbert was there for four years. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I made my, a fool of myself. Uh, Griffin, what's your next pick? Okay. So I, I locked AI in at one. I can't move him back and take a point guard here. No. 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 But you can take a point. Like who's the problem is. No, I don't know if I take my coach here or if I take a player. Ooh, I mean, let's see. So Gabe's got Ray Allen and Chris Mullen. So you still need a point guard. Peyton's got. Ray Peyton needs a point guard as well. Peyton, Peyton needs a point guard. All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna take Pearl Washington at this point. Oh, <laughs> the one way. In the dock. In the dock. They they called him the Magic Johnson of the East Coast, and I'm not surprised. So you're playing him at the one or the two. Yeah, it's fine. Him and I mean, real, I mean, it's gonna say AI's at the one, Pearl Washington's at the two, but really, those are my two. Those are those two guys are gonna be handling the ball about the same amount. It has broken the exact wrong way for me with every pick so far. So, I knew. I mean, sitting here, I was either thinking about taking my coach so I can lock up the coach that I want for this team, but thinking about the point guards on the board, how it has the two best players in Syracuse history. Yep, big huge guy. Yeah. Go orange. Orange. Um, okay. Yeah. So going, going, going Pearl Washington. I am going to break the seal on coaches. Okay. Thank God. I'm taking Jay Wright. Wow. Jay Wright is the best coach in Big East history, and he still, and he doesn't even have the longevity claim. He is just two national championships. So Calhoun has one more national championship than him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jay Wright has a better winning percentage. He has seven Big East regular season titles, four Big East conference tourney titles, three final fours. Cause he, he made one in 09. I forgot about that. He made it in 2016 and 18. He obviously won the national title in 2016 and 18. He's the coach of the two teams or not even the two teams. The one team that I hate the most, the 2016 Villanova team that ruined Devonte and Frank Mason winning a national title that hurt my heart. And I'm still going to take him. I also think if we're going to have roughly equal talent on these three teams, the differentiating factor is going to be coaching. And Jay Wright does more with less, less being a relative term at Villanova because they're still very talented teams than most people do. So I, I think he's the best coach in this conference, even though he still has plenty of years to add awards and accolades. So I'm taking Jay Wright. I am grateful for that because um, I think I'm getting a phone call. Hello? Yeah, I am running this draft right now, and I am about to take Kemba Walker. Um, yeah, Kemba Walker, the best individual run by a college basketball player ever. This man is the author of it. Um, Kemba Walker is the man who made me fall in love with college basketball. I remember watching him at Maui the year they won the national title, seeing him beat Michigan State, hitting all these buzzer beaters to get there in these crazy games in this little gym on a little island in Hawaii. I'm like, that's my guy. 
And, you know, his run through the Big East tournament, let's not act like UConn was a bad team because they found themselves in the top ten fairly often throughout the course of that season. But what he was able to do to get that team to win a national title, I don't think we're going to see something like that again for a long time. You know, I mean, you can claim what Shabazz did was similar, but no, it's not because Shabazz didn't hit game winners like that. It just was straight out of a movie script. You think of the cardiac Kemba in the garden um, and what he was able to do on that stage, a kid from the Bronx being able to do that. You know, I've got my bigs. We're going to maul you down low. I've got a good perimeter defender in Richard Hamilton. I'm going to take Kemba Walker, a guy who another dude on my team who's a most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament because now I've got three of them. So I know I've got clutch performers. I've got the most national champions on my team. Consensus All-American, two-time All-League. And he is actually, believe it or not, that season, probably because they played more games than anybody else. But the single-season league high in scoring in terms of total points, Kemba Walker that year with 975. Pick and roll is going to be nasty. I knew as soon as I took Pearl Washington, you were going to go Kemba Walker. I was praying Gabe didn't take him. I was praying Gabe didn't take him, and he played right into my hands. With my next pick, I'm going to – I did want to kind of get off my toxic take of Kemba that the man – did. he didn't win Big East Player of the Year that year. Ben Hansborough won it. That's wild. That is wild. How does that happen? So that's the thing. So he was really good in the preseason – Struggled in Big E's play, and that was a year that Pitt was really good. Like mm-hmm. a top five. They were the team. number one team in the country. Yeah. Um, and they struggled in Big E's play, but they got hot again at the end of the year. They just went on a run. Um, and th- I guess that's how he didn't win the award, but he was ridiculous that year. It's kind of insane to think. But, like, that nine-game run saves his legacy because his, oh, his freshman year he averaged eight points a game. His sophomore year, he put up decent numbers on a team that wasn't great. And then his junior year, they were, like, in and out of the polls. I'm trying to think of who I could compare him to this year that was just, like, a, a Michigan State that was hopping in and out. And then they just got wild hot at the end. Let's not act like that didn't happen, though. Cause it did. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, know, I know it happened. But, like, the greatest run in his history plus a good NBA career, I think, elevates his Oh, without a doubt. doubt. Uh, I definitely agree with you uh, on that front. Um, Okay, I've kind of put myself in a tight situation now because I need a small forward. But I was also anticipating that I'd be able to get Doug McDermott here back at the turn of this round, which apparently there was never a chance of that happening. No, Dougie, if Gabe didn't take him, I was taking McDermott with one of my two back-to-back picks. You happening. you met the you're doing a podcast with the two biggest Doug McDermott fans <laughs> in America. Okay, well, love some Dougie McBuckets. I didn't realize that, and now I do. Um, so the small forward position is pretty weak. So I'm going to ignore it for now, and I'm just going to get a defensive stopper later that doesn't deserve to be on my list. But we are going to be physical. And yeah, I know who he's picking. I know who he's picking. Um, right now. I'm going to go ahead and pick my sixth man. That is a man by the name of Troy Bell. I believe he will be the only Boston college player taken on this list. And Bell, I feel, go ahead. I feel like this is a, uh, I feel like you got to fill out the starting five before you can go to six man. 
Mm, no, I don't. I'm not going to. Um, so, yeah, player of the year for his career averaged 21, um, 4, and 3.5. Uh, can run my second unit as a point guard. Uh, he was a two-time Big East player of the year, three-time all-league, all-time leading scorer in the league up until this year when Marcus Howard beat him, which is incredible because I don't think Marcus Howard is going to get drafted, yet he's the all-time leading scorer in the history of the Big East by a wide margin, and it would have been wider after what he did in the conference tournament and in the national tournament. Um, the biggest knock on him simply is he never got out of the first weekend, but we don't need him to get out of the first weekend because we already have three most outstanding players of the NCAA tournament on my roster. He just needs to fill it up on the bench. So I'm taking Troy Bell. Okay. All right. Peyton just saying. So I guarantee my coach because Gabe, Gabe took his coach, and now I get – I guarantee my coach this next round, so I'm very. I'm excited. very interested to see who Griff has because there's a very very clear second coach. Um, I am going to. You can always take two coaches. Just get an all star coaching staff. I, mean, I think Gabe's got roster holes he needs to fill before he worries about screwing me over with coaching. <laughs> uh, that is true. I'm going to take. I'm going to go to the point guard, and I'm going to take Jalen Brunson. Okay. He's a national player of the year, two-time national champion, two-time first-team All-Big East, um, Big East player of the year in 2018, and he has the familiarity with Jay Wright. So he's going to set up Mullen, Ray Allen, and Dougie McBuckets, and we're going to have a good team. And he's a smart, high-IQ defensive guy, and we're going to need, we're gonna need to defend on a string if we're going to have D- Dougie McBuckets out there. So I'm taking Jalen Brunson. All right. So now I'm going into – so I need power forward. And that's all good with me because there's actually the guy I want here. Um, I'm going to go Derek Coleman as my power forward spot. Um, I, mean, I mean, sticking with the Syracuse theme, this guy was known – obviously he played before – and before any of us could even be thought of watching college sports. So I had to do my research on this guy. I mean, take ranking list for what it is. I mean, I, I mean for all the collection that Derek Coleman is, is ranked as the third greatest Big East player of all time, according to Bleacher Report, which is a very not like Ooh, Bleacher Report. No one cares. I mean, it's just, it's a guy I never got to see play. The fact that you probably have people that have seen him play, put this list together and put him as third probably says something about him. Probably a good player. He was known for being actually a pretty good shooter for his time from the mid-range. And he could he was known for doing a little bit of everything, shot blocking, ball handling, shooting mid-range, you know, being good inside. Average 15 a game, Big East All-Freshman, you know, Big East Rookie of the Year in 86-87, four-time All-Big East, 89-90 Big East Player of the Year. I mean, he made NCAA All-Tournament Team, consensus All-American. This guy did everything you pretty much want for Syracuse, so – Sticking going with another orange player, Derek Coleman, my power forward. Call him DC. So I was also adult. We got we got AI, we got DC, got Pearl. You know, we got we we got Zoe. We got we got we got some dope nicknames on this team. You gotta too. take Bayheim, right? Like yeah, like you may take Bayheim and just run that coward zone. Well, <laughs> well, you get into my you get into my coach's pick. You guys, I mean, you guys said it. It's gonna it, the whole time. It was Jim Beheim. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm taking Jim Beheim. Yeah. Wait. How? Also, how is he taking him right now? I thought he just picked. 
I'm yeah, back. He's back. a snake. Peyton, oh, he's a back. back. I'm. It's a Gabe sandwich. I forgot. I yeah. thought Griffin was. Yeah, zone yeah. out for a little bit. I'm taking. Jim, I'm taking Jim Beheim. So I mean, Jim Beheim's better coach than Jim Calhoun. I don't know if it's a better coach. I just think I I like I like the way Beheim fits with my team, especially like the way we're. I mean. I've got three Syracuse players out of my starting five. So, obviously, those guys who are all-time greats in their conference played under them. And if I've got three of them, you know, I don't think Bayheim would have hurt having Allen Iverson or Alonzo Mourning along with them for some of those teams. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to take Jim Bayheim here. You know, he's one of the – I mean, he, he's been there since the birth of the Big East, too. So, I mean, this is – I mean, well, he was there and now he's in the ACC, but he's still coaching. Just he's an ACC forward. hater, though. He's an ACC hater. Well, like, can you blame him? I mean, he was part of the founding. I mean, the re- part of the Big East founding was they hated the ACC. They didn't, I mean, they wanted to compete with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm going Bayheim here. I think he's a good coach for my team. So, I got my coaching field. I'm excited to potentially vote the six man. Hopefully, he doesn't. The guy I want doesn't get snapped. Okay. Okay. I'm going to round out my starting five. Uh, going to center. We're going to take the Peyton's thumping his chest about NCAA tournament most outstanding players. So I'm going to take the most outstanding player from 2004, Mecca Okafor. It's my center. 2004 national champion, 20, 2004 first-team All-American, 2004 Big East player of the year, two-time Big East defensive player of the year, three-time All-Big East selection, one third team, two first teams. He was a bucket, and he's a bruiser, so he's, he can protect Dougie. What is your entire strategy about Ben protecting Doug McDermott? Because protect Doug with all costs is my mentality. Weak link on the defensive end and how offense he produces. Here's the thing: I drafted Doug, and then I realized like the flaw with Doug is that he's a terrible defender, and he's he was chubby in college, and so now I'm like over over account. I don't know. It's it's almost like um. Marcus Howard, who is also an elite scorer but a terrible defender, yet we poop on Marcus Howard, but that's fine. Well, he also ran his teammates out of town. That did happen. A lot harder to run guys who play in the NBC out of town than it is to run guys who play Marquette out of town, though. Um, all right, so it's back to me. We are going to be the most physical basketball team of all time because I'm taking a player that has no business being taken, but I just want to appreciate that he played in the Big East. Welcome to the squad, Metal World Peace. Ron Artest, John's very own. You know, Ron Artest once said, I score 20 points per game. Now, I did this in the NBA. I didn't do this in college. But I score 20 points per game, but I'm so valuable because I keep the other team from scoring 20 in their own right, making me worth 40 points per game. That's what I want on my team. Listen, my top three defenders are Richard Hamilton, a guy whose nickname is literally Rip, Patrick Ewing, Maybe the best defensive player in the history of college basketball. And Ron freaking Artest. Good luck scoring on me, Doug McDermott. Sounds like a McDonald's value mule. Yeah, the McBucket. It's a bucket of chicken. Um, St. John's was kind to Ron Artest in two years. Um, I'm looking at his stats now. Never scored more than 14.5 points per game and 6.3 rebounds, but also a guy 
who contributed as a forward 4.2 assists. He can move the rock around. He knows his role on my team. I got Troy Bell on the bench to fill in that scoring gap that he's not going to provide. We're going to hold teams to 60 points per game. We're going to be fine. And for my coach, I'm going to do something kind of ill-advised. John Thompson, because you know what? You say John Thompson has never had success without Patrick Ewing, but you know who I got? Patrick freaking Ewing. So John Thompson is going to get us to the national championship game every year. He might lose it when we're not playing against Michael Jordan. I think we'll be fine. Um, yeah, I'm going to take John Thompson to lead the boys. I feel like Jim Calhoun is about to sue us for really? defamation. Listen, listen, my boys are the most physically imposing basketball team, and it starts with their coach. We're the Monstars. I mean, there's sound reason for all three of us not picking him. Like, I have the best coach. Griff has the coach who fits his team, and you have a coach that fits, his, fits your team. So, I can I'm see it. Saying, man, when we roll up in the gym, people are going to be terrified. Terrifying. Not my squad. Not All my right. squad. We don't care nobody. So, oh, man. I Six-man time for Gabe. Six-man time for me. Okay, so this is a three-horse race in my mind. It comes down to Chris Dunn, Carrie yeah. Kitt, Kittles, or I just – it's not even – or Troy Murphy. And I'm going to go with Carrie Kittles. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Murphy's going to go undrafted, and he's like a top four scorer in the history of the league. Yeah, but he wasn't that much of a winner. That's fair. Gary Kittle's 18.4 point per game scorer career, three-time first-team All-Big East, two-time All-American. His biggest problem is that he was the second-best shooting guard in the conference's history because Ray Allen was there at the same time as – was in college the same time as he was. So he was, he was insane, and a big reason why people don't think he was crazy insane is because Ray Allen was there at the same time as him. Well, I'm going to put them on the same team, and they're both going to get buckets together. So I'm taking Kerry Kittles. Gosh, Gabe. Gabe is just – like, Griffin is distraught straight up. Man, I really – dude, Kerry Kittles would have been the perfect six-man for my team because I've got Iverson and I've got Pearl Washington. So when you want to sub them out, run can, one can slide down to the one while the other goes to the bench for Carey to come in at the two. If, you know, Carmelo needs a breather, Carey can come in at the three. He can play defense and he can score both positions just as well. Would have been the perfect fit. Now I'm kind of stuck. So here, I'm between a couple. I'm, it's a three-horse race for me from Troy Murphy. Hakeem Troy Warwick. Murphy was a bucket, though. He was. Troy Murphy, Hakeem Warwick. Oh, and interesting yeah. enough, Miles Powell. Ooh. Chris Dunn disrespect in this house. No, I just think my team Chris Dunn just team gets bugged, man. Yeah, and just choked. It was not very good. Just choked. He was, was on some bad Providence teams. He was horrible in the tournament. His teams were terrible. But he also was terrible. Ah, whatever. You know what? All right. We're taking since since we have a guy in our in our presumptive three man conference here with our all time Big East teams going going big. We're gonna need we're gonna need some 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 size on the bench. 
to help out, you know, give some, give the big guys some rest, give Derek Coleman and Alonzo morning some rest whenever they need it. Cause whenever we play Peyton's team, it's going to be a boxing match basically. Yeah. So we got to have, we got to have big bodies ready to come in. So I'm going to go Hakeem Warwick. Uh, I love this. From, I love made it from this Anthony. You know, three time all Big East team, 2004, 2005, Big East player of the year. Big East tourney MVP. He could score, he could rebound. Played for he played for Jim Beheim. More importantly, <laughs> we've got four Syracuse guys on the team. We need, we need that commodity, that Beheim. It's like it's like linking players in FIFA. We've all got we got a bunch of green links between all the between all of the Syracuse players, and we've linked up Iverson and Alonzo Mourning from Georgetown, and they all got in there, so. Shirt. I didn't realize that I was. Abe is the one wearing the Syracuse shirt. And has I didn't realize that Griffin was the biggest closet Syracuse. So <laughs> orange. It's by far the best name in the conference, and we've got a bunch of players, and we got the coach. So yeah, I think no, I, I just think Akeem Warwick's a really good six-man option. I really was like hoping Gabe didn't pick Kerry Kittles, but what can I expect out of the man that also took Doug McDermott away from the team from my team? Also took Ray Allen from me. Akeem. Well, that's what happens when you're in the middle. You end up taken from everybody. Akeem Work also has that block in the 03 title game. Yeah. That kind of – it was a game-sealing block. Yeah. So, it's a pretty good pick. Wasn't really known as a shot blocker, though, throughout his career. I mean, he only averaged .9 blocks throughout his four years. But Hey, and uh, Gabe, um, who did that block shot help them beat? Yeah, I, I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. But when you look up Akeem Warwick highlights Syracuse on YouTube, it's just a four-minute dunk compilation. It's just a four-minute dunk, like, grainy dunk compilation. Why are you looking up Akeem Warwick highlights on YouTube? Hey, we're in quarantine. We're trying to figure out things to do. Dude, he was insane. He was – I'm trying to think of who I would compare him to now. But, like, man. Zion. Skinny Zion. Oh, okay. I also feel like Hakeem works get off the bench because uh, he had a little bit of a turnover problem in 0304 with 3.1 a game as a power forward, so hold forward. That's not a good look. Check so. out Allen Iverson's. Yeah, well. <laughs> he, also, he also hit less than 10 threes for his entire college career. So, hey, he wants to bang on the block. We need, that's what, we need the bodies to sub in. And I mean, the thing with Iverson, although he had a lot of turnovers, the three steals a game, yeah, he yeah. kind of got. He's like, you turn it over and give it back. You know, yeah. take that right back. So, I think I, I like my team a lot, personally. Yeah. So, I think, I, think so I got a coach. Jim Calhoun's calling your name. I mean, I, I've got, I mean, I think oh, I'm, 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 I'm still. No, 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 no. We're, we're, I think we're just sticking with one. Stick oh, with one. dang. I was going to take Rick Patino and run all the way to the bank because we'd just be paying the next wave of players. Oh, gosh. I mean. It doesn't matter. My strategy has been revealed, so we're not doing it. No. no, we're no taking, we're, I think just one coach is fine. Yeah, one, one coach is fine. Um, no, I do think the – you want to you talk about Rick Pitino? Rick Pitino in the documentary, weirdly enough, before we close this thing out, he gets – they portrayed it like him leaving Providence, like killed the league. He was at Providence for two years. Yeah, and then came back to Louisville, who was in 06. Yeah. Like, Rick Patino is reason number 99 as to why yeah. the Big East fell apart. Right. 
So that was and just nine weird. reasons and Rick Pitino ain't one. <laughs> also, just yeah, you're signing up for NCAA violations when you get Rick Pitino. <laughs> Shout out Iona. Shout out Iona. <laughs> Jim Calhoun's coaching somewhere now too, like D three. Yeah, D three school. I think it's like what is it? Mount it's Mount something, I think. And I don't care to know the name. I don't know. They won a lot of games this year. Shout out Jim Calhoun. All right, this is fun. I think the plan is the Pac-12 next with a guest to be named. Champions. A guest to be named. Yeah, stay tuned for the guests. We got stuff cooking. All right, well, this was fun. Stay tuned. Check out the HCS Blaze on Twitter, Twitter poll to vote on who had the best team. And stay tuned for more drafts. It was very contentious. I want I want more contentious contentiousness. Oh, when my team wins on Twitter, you know, we'll get, it'll get contentious. About as contentious as a Ron Artest elbow to the face. <laughs> and then a technical foul, they get some ejected from the game. So then we don't care crazy. about that part. That's why we got Troy Bell. And then he jumps into the stands and then gets the school violet has school violation. Oh yeah, I forgot about the malice in the palace. He also did that. <laughs> yeah, he kind of went in and fought a fan. So <laughs> all right. Sweet. This is fun.